Teams are voicing their intentions to go heavy on relievers, so should fantasy owners plan on doing the same? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, July 6th. I am Al Melkier, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, and just uh, you know, uh, just a weekend's time away. We have missed a lot, so uh, let's get right to it. Uh, we've got more players opting out. Uh, David Price being the big name among them. Also, Felix Hernandez uh, opting out uh, from playing for the Braves this season. And Zach Wheeler is now expressing concerns. He hasn't opted out yet, but he says he's thinking about it. As is Mike Trout. So uh, DVR, let's. Um, Talk a bit about that David Price and the Felix Hernandez uh, situations. Uh, already, there have been reports about who would um, succeed them in those respective rotations. Ross Stripling filling the void in the Dodgers rotation. Sean Newcomb in the uh, Braves rotation. Uh, any thoughts about either of those things or just, you know, just the, the growing number of opt-outs and you know, how that may or may not be changing things for you as uh, uh, somebody who plays fantasy baseball? Well, I think it's it's not a big surprise. I think the identities of the players as they choose to opt out, that's always a surprise. But just learning more about why is always kind of interesting. And with David Price, he cited his health and his family health, among other reasons for sitting out this season. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world, as we've said before, for players who aren't comfortable with the situation to just go ahead and and not play. Uh, but as as you mentioned with the Dodgers, Ross Stripling is probably the first guy that would end up taking a rotation spot with Price now removed. They have competition though as well. They still have depth behind Stripling. I think Dustin May would probably be the most likely candidate to compete with Stripling for the job. And I think what's made Gathering news in the last few days, particularly challenging as teams are uh, now in the full swing with their summer camps, their spring training 2.0s, is we are getting wide-ranging reports on where pitchers are at in terms of endurance. The amount they are able to throw in highly variable situations has left us with some teams that have guys who might be throwing five or six innings the first time they pitch in a competitive game in 2020. And we have other teams that might have to go heavy with the bullpen. And it's been pretty wild trying to sift through the details to get a good understanding of which pitchers on which teams are even in each of those buckets. Yeah. And that's actually something I do want to spend some time talking about. I'm going to put that topic on hold for a few minutes because we, like I said, at the outset, We've got a, a lot of uh, big stories to at, at least uh, you know take note of here, but yeah, we'll definitely be coming back to uh, how we deal with um, you know teams having various approaches to using their pitching staffs um, due to you know durability uh, among other things. So, uh, in addition to players opting out, we've had um, a lot of players over the last two three days uh, reported to be having uh, positive COVID tests, and the probably the biggest name among them is Freddie Freeman, uh, who was also reported to be symptomatic. Uh, Aaron Nola, DJ LeMahieu. And I, I did see one report, although I couldn't find a second one, 
uh, stating that Giovanni Gallegos uh, had a positive test. Uh, he was late to um, Cardinals camp, but there was one report from um, Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis pa- uh, Post-Dispatch that Gallegos did, in fact, um, test positive for COVID at, uh, among uh, some other uh, pitchers on the Cardinals. Um, so uh, I'm not really sure what we can say about it at this point, but um, you know, I think <laughs> my reaction would be much like yours, uh, DVR, to the the news of the opt-outs, that this is something that we would have expected to see, unfortunately, and, and should, you know, probably expect to see more of um, going forward. Yeah. And I would just advise a lot of caution as we're still waiting for several teams to provide some updates uh, on players who have tested positive. We have several players who haven't reported for reasons that are undisclosed. Obviously you can't rush to any sort of judgment, but we're still in the gathering information phase. That was a abundantly clear over the weekend Um, you know you look team by team and you just have a lot of uncertainty right now and it's understandable of course so um, I'm just trying to figure out you know what this all actually means I think in some cases you get lots of details like the Freddie Freeman situation that you mentioned before Uh, not only did the Braves confirm that he had the positive test but that he was experiencing a lot of symptoms that was brought up. In other instances, you get confirmation that a player is asymptomatic. In other instances, you get no confirmation one way or the other of whether a player is symptomatic or asymptomatic. So it's just a, it's going to be a season of limited and sometimes imperfect information. And we're just going to have to accept that. That's just going to be part of having baseball and fantasy baseball in our lives in 2020. And I just feel like this is something that we are probably going to reiterate on every uh, on every episode for a long time, uh, because you know otherwise I feel like there's just a a temptation to kind of um, you know do analysis as we normally would, but uh, you know th- it's a completely different situation and uncertainty is is really the only constant here. So um, you know I think that's going to be a a caveat and a disclaimer to to pretty much everything you know that we say for for a while here. Um, but uh, just breaking away from um, the, the pandemic uh, situation, we did have some baseball health news that uh, was was scary, but actually wound up not being as bad as it uh, initially appeared. Um, and that is Masahiro Tanaka getting hit by a Giancarlo Stanton liner um, in the head, and he is under concussion protocol. But apparently, uh, you know, it's it's a light concussion such. I mean, I, I even hesitate to say that because I think any concussion is is a serious thing. Uh, but apparently Tanaka may be ready for the beginning of the uh, of the season. Yeah, I, I think a bad situation for sure, but one that could have been much worse. I happened to see uh, a video and some images th- scroll by on Twitter uh, soon after that incident happened. Very scary situation out of Yankees camp and. Uh, it's it's just one of those fluke things that can happen anytime. And fortunately, in this case, as you said, it sounds like Tanaka at least has a chance of being ready to pitch by the end of this month. Yeah, so that's uh, within that context, uh, perhaps some good news there. But I want to get back to the topic you raised a few minutes ago, DVR, uh, in terms of some teams just already you know publicly stating that they're going to not 
rely on their starters for for very many innings. Um, two teams in particular, there are probably more than this, but I saw over the weekend reports of two different teams, the Giants and the Braves, uh, where members of the organization came out and said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to rely on relievers, especially in the first couple of weeks. In the case of the Giants, it sounds like that may be a thing that they do throughout the 60-game season is limit their their starters to maybe four innings at most and use a lot of bulk relievers. The Braves, uh, like I said, going to do that at least initially. So before we get into those specific situations, does this change the way that you're going to evaluate pitchers? Um, because I, I, you know, team context is always something that has some value, but I almost feel like that's going to be something that maybe we should weight more heavily than, than a pitcher's skill profile. Not that it's the only thing, but it, be, it suddenly becomes very important. Yeah, I, I think, I guess the thing that I've been trying to account for all along, I don't have any intention of drafting a team until we get to at least the middle of July. I think I'm a solid 10 days away from being in a position where I feel like I have enough information to even try to build a team for this season. Uh, and this is part of the reason why I think knowing how much each team is able to push members of its rotation as opening day approaches, that's going to shed some light on which long relievers or which sixth and seventh starters might be used out of the bullpen for multiple innings to begin the season. I think the question is going to be, are some teams going to prefer some kind of unique arrangements with rotation spots throughout the entire season? Uh, I think, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is what we're talking about right now. But I saw a report over the weekend that the Reds were tinkering with letting Trevor Bauer go on three days rest consistently this season. Wow. And that would you know, be a pretty interesting shakeup as well. So um, it's still a big mystery as to how many teams are going to really go down this path with bulk relievers. There are a lot of interesting pitchers, though, that if you're thinking about three and four innings at a time and you're thinking about these guys pitching behind an opener or behind a starter who might be kind of differently skilled, it could put them in an optimal position to maximize their effectiveness. So uh, I, I think there are some interesting things we've seen, of course, from the Rays and the A's in recent years. Uh, I always go to Ryan Yarbrough as one of my first examples. I think the way the Rays use Ryan Yarbrough is basically perfect. Like They get as much out of his skills as any team seemingly could. And I think that's a good thing. And I think hopefully that's a model that other teams are now more willing to follow in part because they have to, but also in part because with slightly larger rosters to begin the season, they have a little extra flexibility. You know, if we had done the the dream mock that you and I did last week, that I know you and Eno discussed on Rates and Barrels. If, if we were doing that this week instead of last week, I don't know that I would have drafted Yarbrough. Cause I did get them uh, when we did it last Wednesday, but uh, if, and it, you know, it sort of depends, like if he's going to be used as a starter and get pulled after three or four innings, I think I'd almost rather have say Jalen Beeks or Brendan McKay, who'd be the follower and have a better chance of getting the win. Yeah. I think if we are given the benefit of knowing how the order is going to shape up the follower role based on the way wins work is absolutely the better place to be. But I also think, it's the better place matchup-wise, too. And it kind of goes back to the the differently skilled comment I made in passing before. I think with the Rays, if you put you know, Brendan McKay and Yanni Chirinos or 
Jalen Beeks. You take some combination of those guys. You can go opposite handed. You can go soft thrower like Yarbrough with a harder thrower. Like you can, you can really give the opposing team a unique look for those first couple innings or that first time through the order, and then completely put them on their back foot as far as going to the opposite hand with someone whose velocity and pitch mix is completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's intriguing. And, you know, I did a little bit of thinking in terms of how would we value these um, bulk relievers, followers, whatever, you, however you want to refer to them. And I looked at roto uh, values, 12 team, five by five roto values from last season using the uh, fan graphs um, auction calculator. And Yasmero Petit was the highest ranked non-closer among relievers, 19th among relievers in roto value. Um now it's his role last year was not really the same thing as like what we're talking about with a, a Beeks or a McKay, but probably the closest thing we saw to that, you know, him or maybe like somebody like Sam Gavilio, who would, you know, fairly regularly come in and, and pitch more than an ending a shot. Um, you know, these, these types of relievers who pretty reliably give you 80 or more innings over a, a regular full season. Uh, so Petit was 19th. Junior Guerra, who, by the way, uh, was among those over the weekend uh, who was reported to have a positive uh, COVID test. Junior Guerra and Craig Stammen were respectively 32nd and 33rd among relievers. And again, not, uh, you know, they're not uh, closers. They're pitchers who tend to be or relievers who tend to be a little bit more durable and compile uh, stats, you know, through, you know, pitching 80 or so innings. So if those relievers, who, you know, weren't even pitching, you know, two, three innings regularly, you know, maybe it was more in the, you know, one and a third, two innings, you know, those kinds of outings. So if, if those kinds of pitchers were in the discussion for top 20, top 30 among relievers, and, you know, we're talking about um, not only like a Brendan McKay, but, you know, I have a few other um Six star, six starter, seven starter types that, um, and looking at depth charts, who I thought could fill this role of pitching, you know, like three innings a shot. Matt Andres, Colin McHugh, Lucas Sims, Cal Quantrill, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Tyler Anderson. Um, <laughs> I find them all really intriguing right now if they, if they fill that role. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think the thing that will probably change in a shortened season, the short relief guys that you mentioned and, and Yusmero Petit's a little bit different. He gets kind of a multi-inning, late-inning role. So he's oddly positioned to be a valuable staff filler. I think the fact that your bulk relievers can get you so much more in terms of strikeouts in this season, that's what makes those guys a little more appealing. I think that's what helps them really close the gap on some of the high-leverage short relievers that have been staff-filling options for fantasy owners in the past. I, I like a lot of the names that you put on that list. I mean... I think the Angels are going to have opportunities in that rotation. And, and Matt Andres is just one of those guys that has been a little bit overlooked. I don't know if he's 10-team, 12-team mixed league, you know, rosterable outside of maybe some streaming situations. But I do think you're going to find that the threshold for putting these players in lineups is going to be a little bit lower than usual. I just think it's going to be difficult to find bulk innings in quality this season because we're going to have a lot of injuries. We're going to have players who are unavailable and that's going to open the door for guys that ordinarily would be limited to much smaller roles. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, you got situations like the Cardinals, um, the Mets, even, you know, where it's not clear that there's going to be one closer, you know, somebody like an Andres 
might might really be a better pick. You know, we'll obviously have to track this over the next couple of weeks and and see how this develops and which names pop up. Um, but I think we're going to have to really think about value relievers very very differently than we normally do. Um, that's certainly um, one set of unanswered questions that we have about how the season's going to play out. There are some other ones that are really much much bigger questions, um, like. What if a team loses too many players to uh, coronavirus or to opting out? Um, who who has the authority to make the decisions about uh, what MLB does or what those individuals team those individual teams do? Well, Jason Stark has tried to address those questions in an excellent piece. What happens if one team has to shut down? Where will MLB draw the line? That is the title of Jason Stark's piece, and a lot of these big questions don't have answers yet, but. Uh, be sure to read it for sure. Um, great piece by Jason Stark. So that's going to wrap this Monday edition of Fantasy Baseball and 15 up. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will return here on Tuesday. Tuesday.